0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Watching these markets as we went from the overnight to the day trade on the grain complex, I think for some may have been some frustration. Lots of red on the screen. Uh, lots of kind of step backs to what we've seen in the markets of the last couple of weeks. Now, flip side to the livestock side, just not as pretty. The cattle numbers were down. The hogs, though, continue their uptrend. We saw some lower numbers in the milk prices as well. So we are going to dive into what's going on in this complex today is it as one producer told me this morning grains coming off of spring break in florida is it the gop hangover planning intentions report later this week lockdowns talked about for china energy weakness export inspections and just the general movement of livestock Taking a look at all of that, Sean Hackett joins us. He's with Hackett Financial Advisors. And I think you summed it up well, Sean, when you said the overall feeling is just working off this GOP hangover as we look at this geopolitical world we're in right now.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean it just seems to me that when you pump up emotional, traumatic, bullish sentiment like we just did in a shock to the system where people were running around, you know, talking about um you know, people starving around the world. I mean, that's that's pretty extreme. It's really, really hard to keep that sentiment going for very long without some kind of a hangover, some kind of a reset, some kind of a retrenchment. And I just feel that we're coming off of that. Um, and it doesn't mean that those initial thoughts were wrong, Susan. It just means um, it's t- you know, timing is everything. We don't actually have a shortage right now. We actually have enough of everything. It doesn't mean we won't have a shortage later, but um, you know, that comes from another time and the market still has to deal with the reality of today, which is stuffed elevators domestically, which is harvest continuing in Brazil, and the reality is that there is some demand destruction going on at these higher prices that doesn't necessarily show up day to day right away, but shows up later on in a few months with some larger numbers that come out from the USDA. So
0: Let's look at those planning intentions report. What are your thoughts and and what could we see in those numbers later this week?
1: Well, the experience typically is that most of the time, the consensus on this report is diametrically 100% wrong. Meaning it's leading to the left, it goes to the right and vice versa. Right now, it's fairly universal that the market is expecting a big loss in corn acres and a big gain in soybean acres and my suspicion is first of all that we probably are going to surprise with more corn acres than everyone is expecting but the secondary thing is that we might just plant more acres of everything more than everyone is thinking maybe you know the idea that the prices that we currently have that we're just actually just going to plant total acres are just going to be higher because you know the farmer is going to do what the farmer always does which is you know what Uh, you know, this is the year to, you know, plant those corners that you don't plant in the years that that you're not making any money. You know, I mean, it just, I just think that more acres, not less. And maybe today's decline in some way has a little bit to do with some nervousness about that idea. So
0: what should come as no surprise, because we've heard, you know, the, the higher up saying we need to be planting fence row to fence row this year to help make up for the loss that we're going to see globally as issues with Ukraine and Russia continue. And even with things happening in China. And that is the job, the,
1: the job of the market is to is to provide the profit incentive, the, the motivation to make up that difference. When we don't know what that difference exactly is in Ukraine. We know there is a differential. Um, and the market's job is to destroy demand to the point that it can and to stimulate anchorage in production to the extent that it can. So that differential isn't as extreme as we just traded and that we actually can still feed the world and allow the world to move on hand in hand and heart to heart. And that ultimately, I think prices have gone high enough to do just that.
0: Looking at China and their lockdown, what are you seeing that meaning for agriculture and and from both the grain and the livestock perspective?
1: Well, I mean, I I think we know from here, when you lock everybody down and you tell them you can't do anything, you know, their consumption of everything goes down. You know, what does that mean for beef demand? What does that mean for pork demand? What does that mean for their demand for feed? Um, It probably is not very good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know it, it probably doesn't mean that you know we're looking at robust demand during this period of lockdown um so the question is how long is it going to last um and when do they reopen again and, and you know we, we don't don't know the answer to that so right now with prices high uh, globally you know that's a worry that the market you know starting to factor in that maybe their demand for corn their demand for soybeans may have to back off here for a little bit maybe they've done enough to satisfy what they need for now and and that isn't exactly what you want to hear but when you're trying to support seven and a half dollar corn and sixteen dollar soybeans
0: you know we, we we've seen the struggles that china has had you know with african swine fever and and obviously COVID as well is this a country that is trying to i mean obviously trying to rebuild agriculture but at the same time trying to save face and not doing as many exports as they normally would be doing this time of year
1: yeah i mean you know they're trying to juggle a lot of balls in in the air from not only trying to save face but trying to look at what's the how do they move forward in a sustainable way that allows them to keep you know a billion four billion five or a billion six whatever amount of people they actually have uh happy and healthy and well fed and it's not an easy task you know they've worked out an arrangement with Russia to buy a lot of wheat from them, and a lot of energy. You know, they're trying to find ways to keep, allow them to move forward should some of this dysfunction that they're experiencing domestically as well as logistically continues for a while. Um, but it's a long-term plan. I mean, there's no way to snap your fingers and solve all their problems overnight. But I do believe right now their idea is to, is to try to reduce some of the panic in the market. You know, having wheat go to 15 or 20 doesn't support the Chinese or their, you know, their goals at this point. You know, if you look at dynasties and when they've uh, dissolved in China, it's always been around food shortages and not having enough to feed the people of China. And I think they're more than anybody else is aware that's not where they want to go.
0: All right, Well, stick around, folks. More is coming up as we network
1: at Fontenelle Hybrids. We understand there could be some tough decisions this spring when choosing seed for your farm. Fontenelle still has a good selection of Extend-Flex soybeans with triple stack tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to handle your toughest weeds. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer about extend soybeans and ask about our locally proven corn hybrids too. Always follow IRM grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directives. Action employer.
0: Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Sean Hackett. He's with Hackett Financial Advisors. We had talked a little bit about the lockdown and things that were happening within China. But there's also been some discussion out there about some maybe energy weakness. You know, we know everything that's been happening with Russia. Uh, there's been some pressure in a good way, I would think, being put on this ethanol industry as folks in Washington want to see ethanol kind of step into that role. Uh, when you look at the energy markets right Right now what are your thoughts sean um
1: you know i think the energy markets are like wheat and like other markets trying to figure out what is the reality on the ground you know how much oil supply have we lost so here's an, here's a scenario right so so if the us doesn't buy russian oil but the russians sell that oil to the chinese who then don't need to buy that oil from the middle east then the middle east has extra oil that then sell to us has anything really changed? I would argue that actually nothing has changed other than who's selling to who and who's buying from who. And I think that you know the oil market might have mispriced um, an oil shortage with a temporarily displaced oil market that will quickly recalibrate as these moving pieces switch gears. And so maybe some of the decline we've seen Susan, from the 130 level now down under 110, and you know trading under under 100 last week, you know is is the is the market beginning to say, wait a minute, maybe we actually aren't going to have that extreme shortage, and that we're actually going to have that oil floating around. And by the way, yeah, hundred dollar oil is probably going to increase production globally. I mean, a few people are probably going to spend some money trying to produce a little more of it, which on the on the on, you know on the margin. Will be a helpful time just as everyone is trying to find ways to drive less, maybe travel less. You know, I mean, certainly there's not everyone can afford these prices the way they were using energy before.
0: Uh, before we switch over to the livestock, I, I wanted to talk to you quickly about weather. I think it's funny that um, we've been crying drought and crying drought, very much so as you look at the maps and, and, and see what's happening. But the minute we get just a smidge of precipitation, how fast Chicago changes and says, oh, everything looks great. We're ready for spring planting.
1: <laughs> well, you know, planting is a delicate thing. You actually don't want a whole lot of rain. You don't want too much rain because you want to be able to keep the planters rolling. At the same time, you know, you, you don't want to plant in complete, you know, a Mojave desert. Right. So um, you want just enough so that you can get, you know, you can get the crop planted and, and, and get the crop coming out in good fashion. So um, a little bit of rain right now is actually, but not too much, is actually exactly what you want to get planted rolling fast and furious so long as it stays that
0: way. All right, let's switch gears and look at the livestock. I always love to get your dairy perspective as we talk about the markets and and what are you seeing um, in in the process right now for our dairy producers?
1: Well, we're in the surplus phase domestically, meaning we produce too much milk during this time of the year every year. It's a seasonal thing. Um, you know, cheese is backing up, um, but of course, we've been keeping the dairy markets supported and propped up with the geopolitical issues. Um, and the, and the idea that, uh, uh, you know, people are going around scrambling for those key items that they need. But the bigger issue for us, when we look at the dairy market is that these lockdowns in China, I mean, China is absolutely the key buyer of dairy. They're the ones that keep this global market going, especially the milk powder market. And if they're going to experience an extended period where 30, 40, 50, 60 million people are going to be offline, We think that the dairy market is going to start, or the demand for dairy is going to start to get hurt in China. In fact, we're already seeing the domestic milk prices starting to crash there. We're already starting to see GDT prices starting to roll over, which is a measure of Chinese demand for global dairy products. So we think that that's a really important factor that's going to weigh on the market at a time that we're producing typically too much. And so we're worried but a correction that may have already begun, continuing into the spring, and um in providing you know some some lower prices here so we would want to make sure dairymen are well protected going through the spring period so they don't wind up having to sell unprofitable milk
0: we had a cattle on feed report on friday the reaction we're seeing with some lower numbers in the cattle complex kind of going hand in hand at this point
1: well i mean you know we had a, a larger number on uh, cattle on feed we had higher number on marketed cattle so you when you look at the two it was still net bearish but overall not as bearish as it could have been had marketing's been you know at or below expectations um and then of course if we're if we're going to see a kind of a bigger break in the grain markets here into the spring certainly for feeder cattle you know that would definitely help be uh you know prop up the market a little bit we think overall we've had a correction in cattle but we don't think that the cattle on feed report on friday was terminal We still think demand is going to be good and solid going into the grilling season. And we think that if we can get some backing off in the feed price,
0: we're going to see a spring rally here in cattle. All right. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean.
1: Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on there to let... Your listeners know what we do and how we do it to see if we can be of some value.
0: All right. That has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.